I'm Classic, founder of Chronicle Reports, the place where tree huggers turn to for higher levels of information and content. Welcome, welcome to my show. What up? Let's do some fun shit. So, today, what up? I got my uh, Puffco. I got it in the mail a couple weeks ago. Really enjoy the shit. Oh man, lighten it up. Got some dab that I made. Ooh. We're gonna hit this bitch. Ooh, I heard it vibrate. Today what we're going to be talking about is Black History Month. Black History Month is a very short month for some fucking reason. Because the government doesn't like you. But whatever. We're not going to get into it. I guess we are going to get into it. We're not going to get into it. But hold on. I got to take one more time. I'm sorry. So good. Hey, Puffco. Sponsor me. Black History Month is, yeah, it's the shortest month. I don't know why. Don't ask me why. And with that said, I'm going to go ahead and provide you with 28 unknown inventors, pioneers, innovators, or entrepreneurs, as you would call them. Number 16 is going to blow your mind. Nathaniel Nearest Green, Jack Daniel Whiskey Creator. The famous Jack Daniel's whiskey recipe was created by a black man. Too much of the world, they never even heard of it. Until the last few years of the story, a white moonshiner distiller named Dan Call taught his apprentice Jack Newton Jack Daniel how to run his liquor distillery. However, it was a couple of years later that it was actually exposed and revealed that Call utilized his slaves. A gentleman by the name of Nearest Green passed on the distilling knowledge down to Daniel. Uncle Nearest is the best whiskey maker that we know of, Call said. After slavery ended, Daniel opened his distillery where he employed two of Green's sons. There's a photo that is taken from the timeline that displays a man who was believed to have been Green's son sitting alongside with Daniel and his employees. This photograph is significant as typically black employees would be forced out and to stand in the back of the pictures. However, nearest Green, his son, is actually in the picture. Now, every time that I go and I pull up a sip of some Jack Daniel's whiskey, I'm definitely going to think about my boy nearest Green who definitely... You're gonna get a salute from me, sir. Charles Richard Patterson. Floyd Norman, Disney Studios' first black animator. Animator, comic book artist, and script writer, Floyd E. Norman, who made history in 1956 by becoming the first black cartoon animator at Disney Studios, where he worked directly with Walt Disney. Norman was born in June 22, 1935 in Santa Barbara, California. Once he graduated from high school in Santa Barbara, Norman took his portfolio to Walt Disney Studios in Burbank, California, whereupon he was advised to go to an art school. Norman registered at the Art Center College of Design in Pasadena, majoring in illustration. In 1956, during his third year at school, Norman was asked to work at Walt Disney Production as an animator on a film, Sleeping Beauty. Without thinking twice, Norman dropped out of school in order to accept the offer of his lifetime, his dream job. Work on Sleeping Beauty ended in 1958, when the same time Norman got drafted and served in the military for a couple of years during the Korean conflict. In 1960, Norman returned to Disney Studios to work on 101 Dalmatians following The Sword in the Stone and then The Jungle Book. Claudette Coleman gave up her seat 
nine months before Rosa Parks. Nobody talked about it. I'm here to tell you, she's a hero. Marlon D. Green. Marjorie Stewart Joyner invented the permanent wave machine, thus making cosmetology history. Joyner helped write the first cosmetology laws for Illinois and founded the United Beauty School Owners and Teachers Association with Mary Bethune McLeod in 1945. In 1912, she enrolled herself at age 16 at the A.B. Muller Beauty School. She graduated in 1916, becoming the first African-American to do so. Once she graduated, she opened up her own salon in Chicago, and Joyner then met Madam C.J. Walker, who owned her own cosmetology empire. Joyner went to work for Walker and became a national advisor of Walker's company, overseeing 200 beauty schools. In 1928, Joyner patented her famous invention, the permanent wave machine. This was a new method to curl hair that lasted for days. The invention was inspired by pins Joyner used when making pot roast and heated up from the inside so that the meat was nice and tender. The invention consisted of about 16 rods that connected from electrical circuits and electrical cords into a drying hood. And the client would just sit quietly and allow their hair to harden up and basically stay curled for a extended amount of time. Zelda Barber Wynn Valdez Eliza Ann Greer first black woman to practice medicine in Georgia. Eliza Ann Greer was an enslaved woman in 1864. However, coming in 1898, the first black woman to practice medicine in Georgia. In 1883, at almost about 20 years after emancipation, Greer enrolled at Fisk University in Nashville, Tennessee with the goal of becoming a teacher. Greer earned her degree in education with the university eight years later in 1891. It took her so long because <laughs> they actually made her go year after year with one year working in school, one year working in the fields, it took her eight years to earn her degree. Melvin Russell Good. John Barry Meacham opened Floating Freedom School. Uh, the crazy thing about John Barry Meacham is the fact that Meacham and his wife helped facilitate the Underground Railroad through their home and their church. Meacham was a carpenter and he understood the business by trade and so he earned himself enough money to go ahead and purchase and actually free 20 slaves. Meacham trained each of them in carpentry so that they would understand how to earn themselves a dollar and he allowed them to basically thrive and they always tried to repay him but he never accepted any money. John Barry Meacham was the man in the sense of about a half a century later, Booker T. Washington utilized the same exact practical uh, hands-on training and helping others in, in, you know, in the enslaved community become free and understand there are tools to the traits of everything that was going on at that time. Ruth Carol Taylor. Edward Alexander Boucher, first black person to receive a PhD. Edward Alexander Boucher was born September 15, 1852 in New Haven, Connecticut. Edward attended a segregated elementary school and finished second in education at Hopkins Grammar School in 1870. Edward would serve as a high school valedictorian at his high school and in 1870 Boucher became the first one to break all color lines at Yale University by completing and getting his PhD. Lovey Yancey Lovely Yancey, let me just, just touch on her right quick because this lady co-founded the fat burger that we all know today and I did not know that it was actually founded by a black woman which is amazing to know that because my wife is a black woman and she loves fat burger
Dr. George Franklin Grant was born in New York to enslaved parents. At age 15, local dentist uh, hired Dr. Grant as an errand boy. He became a lab assistant, and the doctor that hired him on encouraged him to pursue his career in dentistry. While working, he specialized in treating individuals with congenial cleft palates. Grant was the founding member of the president of Harvard's uh, Otological Society, and in 1881, he was the elected president of Harvard Dental Association. Grant also was an avid golfer, and in 1899, he invented the and patented the golf tee whittled from a piece of wood that he capped from a uh, gutta percha, a Latin kind of resin, and uh, he used the dental, he used it as like part of the dental root canal system, so that's kind of why it, you know, kind of looks almost like it goes into the ground and has the embeddedness of the dental tee. So, in all fairness, basically what this is telling me is that a black man helped invent the basic modernization of golf as we know it. So you can't tell me that this is a white man's sport because it was invented by, well, it wasn't invented. It was modernized due to a black man's invention and creation. So I guess Tiger Woods wasn't a pioneer in that sense. <laughs> Hot take. Eunice Hutton Carter. Erlene Dennis Brown, first black woman to win the medal in the shot put. Three-time Olympian Erlene Dennis Brown was the first African-American woman to win the medal in shot put. Brown not only became the first black woman to win in the shot put, but she also competed in three consecutive Olympics in 1956, 60, and 64. She also won the bronze medal in 1960, along with winning amateur, you know, union championships in uh, 1956 all the way to 1962, um, and including 1964. She also won uh, in 1958 and 1959. In, and in 1961, she won the gold medal and the silver silver medal in discus at the USSR uh, dual meet in 1958. And then she also won a bunch of other awards. The crazy part about Brown was when she retired in 1965 from shot put competition, she then began to go into another sport and the other sport she took off in called roller derby. Doralee Jones helped establish Domestic Workers Union in Harlem in 1934, which is believed to have been the stepping stone to ending domestic slavery. The group was began by a group of Finland and African Americans in California who saw the necessity for fights against, you know, exploitation of black domestic workers. Sarah Elizabeth Good. Dr. Tanner Freeman, first black dentist. Robert Tanner Freeman was the first black professional trained dentist in the United States. He was a child of enslaved people and would eventually attend Harvard and graduated four years after the Civil War in 1869. His parents took the surname Freeman along with many others who did because they were freed from bondage. Freeman and his classmate George Franklin Grant became the first black people to enter 1867 Harvard Dentistry School. That was the inaugural class of 16. Once Freeman graduated in 1869, he and Grant became the first African-American dentist in the United States. James Wormley Jones. First black FBI snitch. <laughs> I just played. Uh, first FBI officer. It's crazy. Isaiah Thornton Montgomery, one of the biggest cotton planters in Mississippi. In 1865, once the Civil War ended, 18-year-old Isaiah reunited with his parents, Davis Bend, and alongside former Hurricane and uh, Briarfield Plantation enslaved people, the community started a farm 
a start of farmland that would formerly be worked by slaves, however, now controlled by free people. In 1867, led by Benjamin and Isaiah Montgomery, the pair raised $300,000 to purchase Hurricane and Briar fields from the destitute uh, Joseph E. Davis, the former Jer Jefferson Davis president. Son. Now under the leadership of Benjamin and Isaiah, Davis Bend is now what they have called the place, it became a community of cooperation as they led the people, made the region a top cotton priority for all the producers within the local area. This would last up until 1877 when politics combined with the failing cotton prices, floods, and also the death of Benjamin Montgomery sent Davis Bend into a rapid decline. Then, the next decade, Isaiah Montgomery searched for another Mississippi location where he would then establish another independent black community. In 1877, or excuse me, in 1887, Montgomery and his cousin Benjamin Green co-founded Mound Bayou. For the next 25 years, this would be 30,000 acres of a community for the northwest Mississippi area, which was home to 800 black farmers. This one really blew my mind because I wasn't expecting to read about a black man owning cotton fields. Like, that's just kind of weird to me. It didn't seem like it fit the mold of what I was taught and actually growing into knowing. So it's just, it's revolutionary. It makes me think that we were on a forefront of the precipice and we just kept getting shut down. Like, I mean, every turn. Here's just another example. In the early 20th century, one of the most successful black men in America was Junius G. Groves, a self-educated farmer, landowner, and entrepreneur. Groves' success was due to the 46 years of devotion to the science of agriculture, earning him the potato king of the world in 1902 for growing the most bushels of potatoes per acre than more than anybody else in the world at that time. Junius Groves and his wife had 12 children that helped farm and continue their family business along with producing potatoes on his own farm. Groves in 1900s bought and shipped potatoes, fruits, and vegetables extensively throughout the U.S., Mexico, and Canada. Junius G. Groves co-founded the State Negro Business League and was later served as its president. Mary Jackson, NASA's first black engineer, I believe first black engineer, I, I, I believe first woman black engineer, I, I believe just first in general black engineer. I think there's a story, I think uh, Taraji P. Henson made a movie about her and her contribution to the uh, Apollo missions. Donald Barden, Barden Communication Incorporated. Once Barton graduated from high school, he began working in a shipbuilding company in Ohio and quickly rose to the executive assistant and then also to the CEO role in the company. He later then attended a Central University for a short time, then dropped out due to finances and at 22 opened up his own record store. Barton used the money that he made investing in Ohio real estate, used established Barton Cable Vision in 1979, which he then developed a cable station from serving Detroit and all the surrounding areas. Barton eventually sold the company to Comcast in 1994 for over a hundred million dollars. Ursula Burns, first black woman to be named CEO of a Fortune 500 company, Xerox. This is actually relatively new, so this one needs to be celebrated. Clara Hill founded the Hale House, which was the first center for infants born addicted to drugs. Clara Hale would develop a love for neglected and abandoned children. In 1940s, Hale would start providing short-term and long-term care for children. She would then found permanent housing for those homeless children and taught parents essential parenting skills. In 1960s, she would then begin becoming a licensed foster parent, giving care to hundreds of children in her home. Hale earned the nickname Mother Hale for the care of all these children. 
1969, at age 64, Hale became a foster parent to an infant addicted to cocaine. She responded by creating a groundbreaking foster care program in Harlem called Hale House. The program also provided training to addicted mothers on how to improve the health of their babies. Hale's program required mothers to live in the house with their children so they would have to attend drug rehab. In the 1980s, Hale expanded her services to include care for infants stricken with HIV or lost parents to HIV. Clara Hill, I mean, I really honestly don't know how to express how I felt about this story because it was a touching story. It felt like it moved me in more ways than just one because, I mean, this lady, she touched a community that was getting ravaged by the, you know, cocaine crack epidemic era, and she came through with a solution. And I just don't understand why nobody else wanted to piggyback on that solution and you know, help her out and, I don't know, maybe put more schools into the mix or maybe put some, you know, um, parameters in places to where these parents could get rehabilitated and yet also still keep hold of their children. So it just, it, 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 it was sad, depressing, but yet also, once again, another pioneer that, you know, took the bad and made good. Sylvia Vanderpool Robinson was born in 1936 in New York City. Robinson began her career as a singer, then went to a songwriter, musician, producer, and then record label executive. Robinson is best known for being the founder and CEO of the Sugar Hill Records, and she's also credited for being the one behind the two historic hip-hop records, Rapper's Delight by Sugar Hill Gang, which was released in 1980, and The Message by Grandmaster Flash and The Furious Five, released in 1982. You could basically say she's the grandmother of hip-hop. Cathay Williams was a black soldier in the U.S. Army enlisted under the name of William Cathay. Cathay Williams is the only documented black woman to ever serve in the U.S. Army, posing as a man, but not only did she do that, she was born as a slave. Williams hid her gender and enlisted under the name of William Cathay, serving as Company A of the 38th Infantry. The company was a newly formed all-black regiment. Regime. All-black regime. And at the time, historians claimed that she did it just because she wanted to have a living of her own and not have to depend on friends. But in 1868, she was actually found to be a woman and was discharged underneath the surgeon's certificate of disability. Cathay Williams or Williams Cathay. Man, this is a story because think about it. In the 1800s, she pulled this off. And from the pictures that I'm looking at and the pictures that I see, Wait, can we put a picture up? I can put a picture up. Okay, so the pictures that, you know, this picture, wait, is it? I'll put it right here. Bing! It's just crazy to me to think that in the 1800s, she got away with being a man for almost two years until she was caught by her surgeon in the military, and he then honorably, I believe, honorably discharged her with a surgeon's certificate of disability. I guess her disability was being a woman. And a black woman. True. I wonder if it's going to be able to get to see my shirt. Yo, can you see that shirt? Can you see that? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's for the fucking culture. I look fat, though, don't I? Who cares? Nobody cares about me. Who cares about this shit? If you like what you've seen in this video, make sure you put down the game controller. Or the smoke and subscribe to this channel. Also, if you want exclusive information that I share with my subscribers, head over to chroniclereport.org and sign up for the newsletter. It's free. Now let me go ahead and turn it over to you. What surprised you on this list? Who is your favorite black historical unknown figure? Did you know some of these heroes previously? Let me know in the comments below. Now that we got that out the way, um...